This is Guided Rebooted, the podcast made for highly sensitive women, empathic women, or women who just have a lot of spiritual gifts. I'm Susan DeVreen, and I'm an intuitive coach, heart whisperer, and a mystic. And in this podcast, I hope to inspire you to explore your own spiritual gifts, get clarity on them, feel validated, and move them forward so that you can feel encouraged to express who you truly are. Welcome. audience a little bit of um about us yeah so we met in the netherlands mm-hmm. uh, could you tell tell me how you came to the netherlands uh it was an opportunity my husband had through his company but it is something that we had shared as a dream our entire relationship um, and and prior to meeting each other it's what one of the things that really connected us to begin with we had both grown up overseas and both wanted to be able to give that to our children. So when the opportunity came, we said yes with no second thought. Great. And so when did you move here? It was in 2012. It was the winter of 2012. So I think we met 2015. Say because I had just started my business in 2014. Wow, yeah, okay, so a lot had already happened. <laughs> I <I'm, laughs> well, whatever you feel like telling us, we we came to the Netherlands for 18 months, that was the original assignment. So by that time, I should have left, right? <laughs> uh, but um, but we decided to extend. Um, because in 2013, uh, my daughter was diagnosed with autism and ADHD. And then that summer, my mother died, a massive heart attack. Uh, so I really was, you know, when, when the question came up, they wanted him to stay we were just starting the journey really with figuring out the answers and what the right place was for my daughter. And my father had moved in with my sister, so he was okay. Uh, and so we just decided to stay put and, you know, figure out the answers from there. That's pretty heavy. (laughs) That's a lot in one summer. So it was a lot. It was a pretty intense year, there's no doubt. And to do that far away from home with no support network, really, um, and to have to give up my, sort of put my business on hold at the same time, it was, yeah, it was a lot. Which is why I said, wow, oh, okay, a lot had already happened by the time you and I met. I was already on the after fact. Okay, so so you decided to stay, and you did mention your business was on hold. Yeah. And you you had to work on this new thing with your daughter being diagnosed and setting up and, you know, I guess where, you know, 
that's a lot of stuff. So I don't, you know, I'm like, you know, where should we go from here? I met you in 2015. Where were you at at that point? At that point, I was, I had sort of gotten things well enough squared away with my daughter uh, that I was able to pick my business back up. And I think the the reason I talk about this in, in terms of your particular topic of following your heart is because none of this was anything I could have anticipated. And, um, and as you know, I, I'm very organized and I'm very much a planner. And so when I think back about this period and, and the reason I wanted to, to sort of share this experience with you and your listeners is because it required me to really tune in mm-hmm. to my heart and my intuition in a way that I had always trusted my gut and listened to it, but I had always also had a plan. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't have a plan for this because, uh, first of all, the, the field of knowledge surrounding autism is continually expanding, even now. Autism in girls is, is not diagnosed very often. So a lot of people don't know about it. They don't know how it shows up. It, it was surprising to me, and I have an autistic brother. Um, she didn't look like him, the way he acted. And so it really, the ADHD, I was like, yep. You know, but the autism, I was sort of like, oh. And then, of course, being in another culture, with a difference of approach, even though Dutch culture and American culture are close, there there was a huge difference in terms of, for example, the school, once she was diagnosed, said, oh, okay, so now she's going to go (laughs) part-time. And, you know, as an American, I was kind of like, um, what? I I have have work. Like, (laughs) you know, you can't just tell me because in the United States, they have to provide services. It's the law. Wow. And, and they have to do so within a certain time period. And they certainly can't kick you out of school because your child has been diagnosed with this, you know, whatever you want to call it, gift, illness, whatever. Right. Wow. So, <laughs> so that's why you had to slow down on your business. And also yeah. not, not ha- you know, then and complicated and then you lost your mom yeah Mm. who was the one person in my world who knew what this felt like you know because she had been my brother's advocate since he was ill at six months and that had always basically been like a part-time job for her uh you know finding the right school for him finding the right teachers finding the right doctors throughout my father's international career so the one person who could really understand what I was going through. Oh, wow. Again, just, I'm just going to keep saying wow, everybody. You know, <laughs> it's like all at once. Not only is she dealing yeah. with an autistic child in a culture to now, but so. So you said something really important. I want to kind of go back to this for a minute and highlight it because we, you know, we have a place we are heading and it's, what you said that I thought was really important. 
I've always trusted my gut and listened, but I've always had a plan. I'm, I'm interested about that. Is it because you had a plan, you didn't always have to rely on it, and now you've had all this stuff. Mm-hmm. What has that shown you in your life? I mean, obviously, you didn't have a plan for your mom. Um, yeah. That's something nobody can plan for. And nobody can plan for these um, special circumstances for your child. Right. So tell me about that. Like, how did that manifest for you? So the interesting thing for me about her diagnosis and meeting with all the doctors and getting that sort of answer to to what was going on with her was that everything that the doctors told me, because there's no cure for autism, there's no way to treat it necessarily, there's no medicine, right? You can treat ADHD, but you can't take a pill to become less autistic. The only thing you can do is behavioral and putting into place structure and systems and consistency is like the name of the game. And that was something that I had always known she needed. Okay. And and I had pushback from, you know, internally from my family about that. Mm-hmm. But I always knew she needed it. And every time we would experiment and see, you know, if she could handle not having it, it didn't go well. So it was a huge reassurance to me that my instincts had been correct. And it gave me a great deal of strength, even as I was going through this without my mom navigating in a different culture, you know, without my support system, or at least having my main support system be six hours away at a different time zone. You know what that's like, right? Right, right, yeah. And so I knew that I had known what to do. So it gave me the strength and the courage to continue to listen to that voice and double down on it. That's great what you say. I just want to say that again. It gave me strength and courage to continue. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, and sometimes that's kind of what we need to see in our lives. You know, some people, they have to have chronic illnesses um, or other things to be reminded that this is something you always have access to. You don't have to have a major crisis. As you said, you always knew this about your daughter that she needs these things. You can't explain why. Mm-hmm. And I can only I can only imagine what was said to you. Oh, you know, that's just kids. They go right. through phases. Yep. And that's that's pretty plausible conversation that you have among other parents and family members. But, you know, it was probably this voice going on all the time. I know, but I'll try. And then boom. And now you're here in the Netherlands, and okay, so everything was validated. And you're back on track with your business. You've got the school things. You know, she eventually went back full time. I'm assuming. To yes. Get back on course. So we were, we were. Uh, well, I, I say we were lucky, but um, but we were actually really quite insistent. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, that like. It was at the time when 
the law was changing in the Netherlands, and uh, I won't get into the specifics of it, but there was a question of whether it was worth it to apply for services. And also because we were expats, I think, um, you know, even though we pay our taxes too, it was kind of like, well, you, we don't know how long you'll be here and blah, blah. And I was like, um, and she really needs a place to go to school and it needs to be the right place. And she, I'm not homeschooling her um, because that's not going to be successful for anyone. <laughs> Is it? You know this. <laughs> yeah. And I and I salute the people who do. I really have such respect. But it was not it was not the right solution for us. So we pushed uh, and continued to meet and follow up. And the paperwork finally was done, and she got the place, and she was put in a special school. Uh, and then all of a sudden, she was being picked up at the door of our house and taken off to school with teachers who had studied this and chosen to be with kids like her. And the school was completely set up for kids like her. And it was brilliant. All of a sudden, for the first time since she was born, someone else actually was, you know, on top of her situation. Oh, totally. And it wasn't me. And that gave me an incredible amount of freedom. And that was when we met. Because I was actually able to leave the house, Susan. So we, we connected, and then I finally, that, that time that we met, I think it was one of the first times that I had been able to go out and do any kind of networking for my business. Wow. Because I couldn't even, there was a period of time when I couldn't keep a babysitter. Oh, man. You know? Because she was just too tough. I mean, you just, and I, you know, I'm so happy you're sharing this because you just don't know. You just, you know. Yeah. You have an idea, but you don't, you know, it's not, then it's not part of your life, of course. So I'm really glad that you're sharing this part because you think. It's so important to be transparent about these things. And, you know, people talk and they say, oh, my kid is so challenging. And I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be over here for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I'm very lucky as well. I mean, she's smart and she talks. And she's physically able, and, you know, there's so many things that she has going for her as well. So I'm actually one of the lucky ones. Well, I I think there's a lot around this topic we don't know. I had a friend here a couple years ago, and I said, hey, would your daughter ever want to be available for babysitting? And she just went, no. And And that's when she told me. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I, I just think she's every other, yeah. it's yeah. not like what you said, you know, it's not like you can tell, they, you know, no. they're not speaking out or violently yeah. having, just, there's so many different things about autism, and I was like, I felt embarrassed that I didn't know, and she's like, no. well, how would you know? I think it's endearing that you wanted that, and yeah. she has things, and to care for a child is just not, it's not possible. Yeah. But that was an eye opener for me. So anyway, so that this is a, a huge topic. So I know we have other things we want to get to, but I'm so thankful that you you're sharing a piece of this um, because I'm learning from it as well. And it and it did help you tap into your heart in a special way. Like you don't you know you know something was 
that your child needed, but now you have to start trusting your gut all the time. And yeah. now you're getting back on track with your business. That's when you and I met, and um, we're still here in the Netherlands. <laughs> but that came to an end, too, because right now Allison's sitting in Maryland, and I'm still in the Netherlands. So, yeah. um, and, and you know, could you guide us a little how you got back to Maryland? So when I picked up the reins for my business again, um, I think one of the things that was very clear to me was that I love what I do. And I don't know if you remember that talk that I gave uh, at Spark about passion and, and profit. And one of the things that when, when I had to put my business on hold, one of the things that I realized was that I was furious about it because I was just beginning to grow again and I had already moved internationally and reshaped my business once. Mm. I was not, I didn't want to stop. Uh, and I, I love what I do. Mm. And so one of the things that was a challenge for us as a family was this sort of constant question of the other shoe dropping, mm. you know, like we didn't know we went in for 18 months and then it was like a year, a year. It just kind of kept on being extended and we were in this limbo. And then all of these things, other things started happening. It was sort of a trifecta of, of need that, that took us back to the U.S. Um, and eventually we figured out that we were coming here. One of those things was that my father got sick. One of those things was that there was no longer a school option for my daughter because the special school ended and then she was either going to go on to high school in the special system, which is basically segregated, you know, special needs set up in the Netherlands, or she was going into the sort of neuronormative setup that had no accommodation for her needs whatsoever. Whoa. So that was not an option uh, because what they wanted to do and for your for your US listeners the, the the Dutch system is very complicated and very striated but basically there are levels of school and she tested at the highest level and they wanted to put her two rungs lower to accommodate for her accommodations needed and that to me was unacceptable because yeah. she's really white um, and in the United States, you have to receive services no matter what. So I knew that we had to take her back into a situation where she was amongst neuronormatives and special needs kids all mixed together with the accommodations she needed because she had kind of, we straightened everything out for her and she was in a really good place. And she needed that modeling also of the other, you know, neuronormative kids. Could you define what a neuronormative is? I mean, oh, uh, yeah. a person who does not have special needs. Okay. In other words, their brains work like the majority of people's brains. The, they are the norm. Okay. And in, in the in the special needs community, a lot of people will say, you know, people on the spectrum are truly remarkable and special in the way that their brains work. Or people with ADHD. Um, whether it's hyperactive or inattentive, have special gifts that allow them to do things 
that us, you know, quote unquote, normal people <laughs> don't. Yeah. Right. And so there is value to it. And it's amazing. Uh, but at the same time, the world is set up for quote unquote, regular people. Yeah. Yes. Well, and Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, and I would love to, you know, neurodiversity is where we're yes. hopefully heading. Yes. Yes. Um, but again, there's a lot of people in this, you know, like me who are like, well, so I just wanted to clarify what yeah. a nor- neuro yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. So, so I figured out I love my business, right? My father got ill. I was flying back and forth across an ocean multiple times a year, which is obviously A, expensive and B, exhausting. Mm-hmm. Plus, I had a special needs kid at home that I had to make sure was taken care of every time I went to take care of my dad. Um, and let's not forget my brother, right? Mm-hmm. So he can't take care of himself. And as it was becoming clear that my father was dying, we needed to figure out, you know, who was going to be able to take responsibility for my brother. So there were all of these needs converging, none of which I could have anticipated converging at the same time or happening in the way that they did. Right. So much as we loved living in the Netherlands and it's a lovely place, it was not working on multiple levels because I needed to expand my business. I needed to find a school for my daughter. I needed to care for my father and help my sister with that. And plus I wanted to be there because I adored my father and I needed to figure out, you know, how to take responsibility for my brother and share that in a, in a, you know, handleable way with my sister. Yeah. yeah. And all of that required me being here. Definitely. And so, okay, so there were some obvious factors going on. You started making the plans to return or tell us a little bit how you, how it all came together in the end. I knew when, when my father fell and I flew back, that was, uh, gosh, a year and a half before we actually moved. And I didn't want to get on the plane, well, home to the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to leave. And so at the time, I said to my husband, we need to figure out a way back. I don't know how long he has, and I don't, I don't want to miss it. Um, I want to be there for him. Uh, and so we knew my daughter had another year in school. My husband was approached by his company again. They asked him to stay again. So we made a deal that we would stay one more year and that was it. And then I would just fly back when I needed to. Okay. And there would be no discussion. <laughs> just got to happen that way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but then once we realized that like once that decision was made things just started falling into place Susan and I you know it's one of those things where you know people like to talk about like you know you put it out to the universe and it comes back to you and and I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with that concept because awful things happen too like I I didn't put out to the universe that I wanted my mom to die of a massive heart attack no you know (laughs) you know I mean they're terrible things right and, exactly. and, but somehow, uh, so I talked to a friend of mine who turned out she had friends of her parents who lived in the town that we wanted to move to. So when I came back to visit my dad, 
I went to see her friends. They took us on a tour of the neighborhood and took us out to lunch and were incredibly welcoming. Two weeks later, they went to North Carolina, found a house they wanted to live in, put an offer down on it, emailed me back, said, do you want our house? Oh, that came with goosebumps. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, and my plan, talk about plans, right? My plan had been, okay, so the towns, the houses in this town go like super mm. fast. So I had to look on the listings on a Friday, get on a plane Friday afternoon, fly to Maryland, go to the open house and put an offer down. That was how, that was my plan to find our house. Oh my God. While you're jet lagged. Hey, is this still available? (laughs) So we had to, you know, we had everything lined up so that I could do that. So when they emailed us back, we knew exactly, because I had already gone to look at houses already in the neighborhood, you know, when I went to lunch with them, we knew exactly how much we could spend. Our mortgage was in place, like everything was ready to go. So I asked my realtor to go over and take a look at the house. And she was like, this house is amazing, but there's no way it's going to fall within your price range. Wow. So I was like, oh, well, okay. And then they came back to us with a price that was within, I mean, it was like, what? Without, without knowing what you had? Yes. Holy I knew. Wow. Because for them to not have to stage the house, not have to put it on the market, they, they knew we were ready to go. They wanted to rent back, you know, a certain amount of time. They knew exactly when we wanted to move. It all worked out for them. Hmm. So they were like, fine. So we were able to purchase our home from across an ocean. My sister came to the closing. Like, we didn't even have to fly to do any of it. Oh, oh my God. That's amazing. And then, and then when I, so I had the home so I could call the school. And they told me, all right, you need to register her, you know, the day after our school is over so we can start the process for her individual education plan, which is what they have for the special needs kids here. So because I hadn't flown, I already had that, you know, budget amount. I hadn't flown over to look at the house. I was able to fly over with my daughter, register her for school, start the process, and we had it all wrapped up before school even started in September. Wow, that's beautiful. It was that's amazing. It was amazing. You had to come back. Again, <laughs> it was one of those things where I could not have predicted how it rolled out. But because I trusted my heart and I knew what I needed to do and I trusted that, it just went from there. Just followed in the and that is something that is very um, clear about the heart. It's mm-hmm. not about five months from now. It's about trust me now. Take a step. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you should have some plans, okay? I'm not trying to say, because clearly Allison had some plans here. You know, you knew what, but they were crazy. I mean, getting on a plane on Friday, <laughs> landing on Saturday just to go, because I know that market a little bit. I lived in yeah. that area for a while. Just to rent, you had to be ready to write a check. Now, this is, like, in the 2000s, people. <laughs> I'm sure things have changed 18 years later. But, you know. Not a lot. 
Yeah, well, I know where you are, so yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, wow. So like knowing that you had to be back and following that and, and making that, you know, it's always take the next step. And I mean, okay, it does almost feel magical. You met this fa- this couple and the, they just had, you can't it did, for it that. It did feel like magic, definitely. So clearly the universe or however you want to frame that and your heart knew what was right for you. You made it back. Mm-hmm. You want to tell the rest of that story? <laughs> Girl well, starts. What okay. you know? Yeah. So we we came back in July of last year. Uh, so it's 2018 now. So 2017. Got our various shipments from our various homes. You know, from where we had lived before. We had stuff in storage and. My parents' house I had cleaned out that winter because my father, we were moving him into the nursing home. Um, So I had a bunch of furniture from them. Got all settled. Had a birthday party for my son, his ninth birthday. I had my father over. My father was in a wheelchair at this point. Um, So we, you know, my sister and I carried him up my stairs. He came in. We had a birthday party. My brother was there. My sister was there. My whole nuclear family. Um. I'll never forget, I I took this picture of my dad. He was sitting in his wheelchair with his hands folded. And my father was not a religious person. His eyes closed. He looked like he was praying. He had this smile on his face. He was so happy that we were settled. He was so happy to see our house and so happy for us. And it felt so good to be able to show him this and be there with my brother because we had finished the paperwork and I had taken over guardianship for my brother with my sister at that by that time. So everything was, you know, finally sort of settled. That was about a week before school started for the kids. So in the US we have this Labor Day weekend, you know, this long weekend. It's right before school starts. So we had my my son's birthday party and then and then my sister went away on holiday. And so she she said, okay, now you're in charge to me, you know, for my dad. And that Saturday, he went into the hospital right before my kids started school. It was almost like he, like he just willed himself to get to the point where he knew things were okay. And once he saw that things were okay, he could start to let go. You know, at first I was kind of like, uh, Dad, can you give me a minute to, like, catch my breath? <laughs> I just got the kids at school. I was ready to get back to work. Everything's unpacked. No. Mm-mm. You know, so I was with him every day in the hospital. And um, and he bounced back a little bit. We got him back into his nursing home. But um, I realize now, well, in retrospect, that that was when he began his dying process. Because he knew everything was okay. And he could finally relax. Yeah. And I was so grateful that he waited. You know, I mean, not everyone can do that. You know? No, sometimes. Well, you don't know how it's going to go. Absolutely not. I mean, with my mom, it had been a complete and total shock. She played 18 holes of golf on Friday, had a heart attack on Monday. I mean, it was, you know, total surprise. 
which was perfect for her. She would have been a terrible patient. <laughs> You're going to do it. Do it that way. Yeah, for her, absolutely. And for my father, it was, you know, he took his time. And that's the way he lived his life. But it was such a gift for me to be able to be there for him after, you know, all of this flying back and forth. And so, again, I really felt like it just, it couldn't have unfolded in a, in a more beautiful way. Yeah, that is, I mean, I don't have words. This, what your, your story, this whole journey, all I keep saying is, wow, and, you know, <laughs> mesmerized by the whole thing. But when it comes to your loved ones, I mean, really, you're connected there through the heart anyway. I mean, that's, um, it's, it's nice because, as you know, I'm in, I'm in the Netherlands, and my, my family is in the U.S. They're kind of scattered, but I come from Michigan. And, yeah. And as you, the longer you're away, the more you see and the more you, you know, you're like, whoa, God, you know, that's something you don't want to have happen when you're mm-hmm. this far away. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to hear that you had this whole process, and, and because you did follow your heart, I mean, let's just say, yeah. <laughs> wow, you know, you got the house, and I see the house, I saw the pictures, it's a beautiful home, and I can imagine it's in a great location, great for schools, I mean, the whole, you know, because you are a planner, and you know, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, we got very lucky, and, and uh, you know, I think the thing that I keep coming back to with all of this is there's so many ways that you can look at these things. You know, and I could have spent so much time and energy being frustrated or angry. And there's no doubt that there were times when I was angry that I was far away and that things didn't happen as quickly as I wanted them to do or, you know, that these things were happening. But I think that what what I realized going through all of this and looking back at it is, you know, stuff's going to happen, period, right? It's just a question of how you respond to it, you know, for me, I just kept feeling like I was so privileged to be able to fight and follow up and make sure that, you know, the situation was right for my daughter and then fly back for my dad, you know, and be there for him and put my hand up and say, yeah, I can take responsibility for my brother and help my sister and find the right school. I mean, all of that is it, it comes from a incredible place of privilege you know the fact that i had the time and energy and resource to to make that happen and open myself up to the possibility of it unfolding the way it was going to unfold and allow for um the beauty and see and and feel the beauty in it, even as much as it was awful. Yes, you had the resources and the privilege, and but you know there are people who would get all those signals and they would still stay frozen because it's uncomfortable to make those choices. Oh yeah, and let you pointed out you couldn't have planned for the house falling into your lap the way it did. So. You, pro- you you could have been in a situation where you were spending more on a mortgage just yep. so so you could get there. Um, there is a lot of trust and patience and, you know, it's not like every day is a great day. No. But taking the step and this is 
where we need to be. Mm. How we get there, I'm not sure, but I'm going to make steps towards it. Right. It, you know, uh, notwithstanding the privilege and the, and the resources and everything, it's that call that only you can hear. You know, mm. just like you knew with your daughter, she needs structure. She needs this consistency. I don't know why, but that's what my daughter needs. Mm-hmm. You know, and then here you got total validation with your journey going home. Yeah. Here's the house, Allison. Yeah. <laughs> Move in. Yeah. Here's a beautiful memory of a birthday party with your dad. Yeah. And then here, you know, you had the time and the memories. No, you're right to say these are not beautiful moment. You know, they're beautiful moments, but there's crisis and stuff going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. But you, but you had them, and that's what's. I mean, I, I could go on and talk about this forever. I think there's so many elements to your story that are amazing, and I really appreciate you sharing it with us. I'm grateful to have had this experience, all of them, because. As I step into whatever is next, which is terrifying, you know, as I grow my business and now I'm here and there is no other shoe that's going to drop. It's, <laughs> it's just moving Maybe. forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, sometimes there is real value in having all of this need too, you know, and you take away the need and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, what's next? And so in my, in my darker moments, in my moments where I doubt, I can come back to this and say, I trusted my heart. I trusted my intuition when the proverbial hit the fan. Yeah, exactly. And and yet it, it did work out and all of those things were terrible and yet it did work out and you know when you when you say to your kids like it's gonna be fine, yeah. no matter what happens, it's gonna be fine. I know it's gonna be fine. When I get scared, I just think to myself, I can trust that it's gonna be fine. Yeah, and it may not look like how you think it will be. Probably won't. Won't be. I couldn't have predicted any of this. But it comes from that having the strength and courage to keep going forward, something you said earlier, trusting in your heart and following your instinct. But I think the thing that's interesting about, it's the trusting part that isn't always easy, right? So these things unfolded and and I had a certain clarity about uh, what I wanted in sort of in a, in a general sense, but taking the steps as they unfolded, each step required me to screw up my courage and take it. Yep. What I'm saying? Yes. (laughs) Because I think, you know, listening is one thing. You can, okay, I heard it, and you can walk away from me. You can trust it. Well, I know this is true, but I don't have proof of it, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to move forward. Mm -hmm. So trusting and following are those two places you got to first really believe what it's saying enough to move towards it. Yeah. That's, you know, it's that little gap right there. Yeah. I have no proof. My mind always needs proof, but my heart doesn't need it. Yeah. And that's, that's a, 
that's why these stories are so like, oh my God, you know, like, oh wow, how did she know? She didn't know. She just trusted. Yeah. But thank you for highlighting that because it's it is we don't we don't always have it perfect, you know. I remember my mom saying similar things. It's gonna work out. Just trust. Trust what? There's nothing to trust here. You know, like <laughs> mom, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you can fight your mom on that, and then later you're like, oh, she was right. She was right. Oh. You know, but that's what you're saying. It's like you always tell your children, I know it feels bad right now, but just it will be okay. It will yeah. be fine. Yeah. And you don't have proof, but you do know because of what you said. It's, it's that question of sitting with the uncertainty. Yeah. And being willing to sit in that uncomfortable place and know what you want to have happen and not necessarily know how it's going to unfold and yet sit there anyway, and then allow the heart to open and think, not think, but believe, I guess, yeah. that, you know, you're going to be all right. And when you're in that place, it's, and then, then we should probably wrap this wonderful mm-hmm. story up, but when you're in that place, for you personally, you're open, you're sitting in the uncertainty, how do you know? How do, how do you feel that? Um, I do a lot of meditation. (laughs) I get nervous. I get scared. Mm -hmm. I talk it through, you know, with people that I love and I trust. I don't know. I think when I, when it's easy to get caught up in the fear, but I guess I've done enough of this now where I feel like I know, I know what needs to happen. I just need to clear the noise and listen. Mm. And and the meditation helps with that. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Because it's different for other people, you know. And I think that's a key thing, is that there's no one way to really being in that soup of uncertainty. And that trust, these are abstract com- concepts, but they're very real. They lead you places. They lead you back home, right at the right times, in the right school districts, with the right. But oh, I different. also have it written down. <laughs> oh, and writing it down. Yes, okay. I love all of that. By the way, <laughs> writing, meditating, being with it, knowing, understanding yourself, all this. So, well, Allison, we had a great conversation here tonight and I or today group I want to thank you for coming on to my podcast and sharing so much of your life story and the journey with your heart with us today thank, thank you. you I appreciate it I, I appreciate the opportunity this has been fun thank you again my pleasure hey it's Susan again and I want to check in with you did this last episode resonate with you have you been thinking Could I be a highly sensitive woman? Am I empathic? What are my intuitive gifts? Well, if these are the questions you've been thinking, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to my two times a month newsletter. Inside it, you will receive meditations and other resources to help you navigate your intuitive gifts, find out more about highly sensitivity, and discover whether or not you are an empath. 
you'll also receive the latest episode from Guided and anything else I might have up my sleeve. By joining my email community, you also are exclusively invited to my gathering I call Connect With Your Woo. These calls are only for my subscribers, but they're also small, intimate settings for a few women who want to explore more about their sensitivities and intuition. This is not a webinar or another class. This is more of a support circle for us ladies who need to connect. Inside these calls, you can feel safe to explore your intuitive gifts, share your insights, and connect with other women just like you. If this sounds great to you, go ahead and sign up at the link in the show notes and find out more what it is to be supernaturally you.